All right. Hello and welcome to the 50th. That's right. 50th episode of the Town Mile podcast. Really cool to get to such a milestone. So listen, if you hit play, salute. Thank you. It really, really means a lot to take the time and, uh, and, and humor us uh, to get to this point. But we really appreciate it. If any of you over the, the course of the last several years that have hit play, that have liked it, on Apple or made a comment or wrote a review. It's, it's been really cool. And, uh, it's, it's really exciting to continue to do this as we continue, um, our fourth episode in our Van Lure Chronicles series, where we had the privilege of speaking with Mike Henriksen, who is really South Dakota media royalty. He is, uh, it talks us through his uh, his career, uh, starting off growing up in Lincoln, Nebraska, having a stand up career, stand up excuse me a a stand up comedy career that led him to working as uh, the voice of uh, really part of Chad and Mike on AM thirteen twenty. So if you grew up in the eighties like I did, that was certainly um, a part of your mornings in rural South Dakota having that on the radio. I can remember so many mornings coming downstairs every morning coming downstairs to go get ready to go to school. And my parents would have that on. So it was really cool to, to get to talk to him about his overall career, um, his great games that he saw and covered really some really funny stories of covering some, uh, some rural football games where there wasn't even a table or a spot for him to broadcast on. So really cool to hear his perspective on players he saw um, games that he saw. And um, as I was speaking to him, I remember that he was the MC in 1994 during the uh, the welcome banquet for the State B tournament. And uh, I hadn't thought of that for a long time, but it's, it's like, wait, you actually were the one that MC'd that. So it was really, really uh, a great to talk to him and, and, and finally really hear his perspective. And he had some great words to say about Coach Van Leeuwen. Uh, and Emory and uh, so many others that have given their years, not just decades, um, multiple decades of their time and energy and really their lives to communities. So um, really excited to get this going. Thanks for listening. Listen, if you haven't gone on and liked on Spotify or on Apple, give us five stars. If you enjoy it, I guess if you didn't, that's all right too. But if uh, if you can comment or, or just hit like or give us give us a review or a good rating if you think we deserve it, um, but again, really appreciate taking the time and and here is Mike Henriksen. Thanks for listening. Mike, can you hear me? I can. There Sorry we go, man. That. How you doing? How's it going? I'm good. Nice to see you guys. Good to see you, man. How is everything? Where, where are you at? Uh, Harrisburg. You're in Harrisburg. Are you born in, I hate to ask where you're born and raised. Is that is that your hometown? 
Um, a lot of people are surprised to find out I'm a Nebraska boy. Are you? Oh, yeah. wow. Yep. A lot of the things that I talk about from an historical standpoint, I didn't actually experience. I've just heard other people talk about it. So, so you're Bruce Springsteen, and I think Springsteen <laughs> in recent years has admitted that. <laughs> yes, it's all a trick. Well, it's great to see you, man. I think, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, this project, you know, I, I was kind of looking at names of people that I thought would be great to talk to. And I've, uh, you've been one of my favorite, I hate to talk about Twitter, but you've been one of my favorite Twitter followers in recent years, doing some really cool things to, you know, raise money for, you know, some areas in South Coast, some of the reservations and, and that sort of thing that need, you know, need coats and need things in the winter. But before we dive into, you know, some fun stuff, drive-by truckers, you're, you're another guy that uh, I, I think you've, that, that's been a kind of a staple band for me the last 20 years. H have you and, seen, the, do the truckers come through Sioux Falls? Uh, actually, I have become just about a half inch from a stalker of the, uh, the truckers. They, uh, they finally made it to Sioux Falls probably six or seven years ago, and maybe sooner, maybe longer, but they're okay. about. And within the period of about three years, I had seen them five times. That's um, great. Yeah, yeah. Love them, love Jason Isbell. I once read an article, and why am I cutting out? Um, I once read an article that says that once you hit 35, you stop listening to new music. And I decided I didn't want that to be me. And I've actually discovered some of the best music that I've ever heard uh, in these last few years. So, so yeah, so truckers are, are definitely up there and, and uh, is full. Um, James McMurtry is a guy I hadn't known before. A okay. lot of those folks. So, well, that's, am I that's... cutting out on your end? Too? No, you sound good. You oh, sound okay. good. All right, good. We're then in good shape, my... man. So you're uh, so you're in Harrisburg. So again, thanks for taking some time. And, and uh, I know I, I put a, a list of things down, but I, I just remember you as my first memories of you. To be honest with you, is when. Chad and Mike on the radio on AM 1320 would say that when schools are closed, you know, like when, you know, all this, the 25 blizzards we'd get. And I'd always remember hearing it when you'd say, Emory, no school today. And that was always a great, <laughs> a great thing to hear on the radio. But just, can you just talk about how, how you got your, your start in, in broadcasting? Well, it's it's really funny. And by the way, uh, first of all, I do have to apologize for being late, and thank you very much for having me. This is this is great fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, I basically wanted to be a broadcaster from about the time I was nine or ten years old. Um, my dad and I—I'm a Nebraska native—and my dad and I would listen to Husker games, as you are required to do when you're a child in in Nebraska, <laughs> uh, and so. We would be listening to Husker games in the basement of our house or when we were traveling. Uh, and I always found that fascinating. And the good news is I ended up with a pretty decent voice. And the opportunity, I grew up in a town of 350 people. And we were basically, we were like the armor of Nebraska. 
Okay. One one like 70, 74 basketball games, I think, in a row, 35 football games, all this stuff. They did that right after I moved away. And I thought, you know, you could have lost one and said you missed me. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I moved as a freshman to start my freshman year in high school. We ended up moving to Lincoln, Nebraska. My uh, sister was ill. And so it ended up that uh, she was needed to be closer to doctors. And so we moved to Lincoln and... That's where I ended up. The good news is I do not think that I could have figured out as a small town kid how to get from Hampton, Nebraska, a town of 350 people, into the broadcasting world. And so I was actually very lucky in the fact that my high school had, you know, speech classes and those types of things. And I could tour the radio station and do all of that. So so from that standpoint, I was, was very, very fortunate. They could get you. Yeah, I mean, I guess my, my dad, Terry, who who's, he was in the newspaper business for, you know, wrote for the Mitchell Daily Republic for a long time. And I just remember being able to kind of go on be a part of his kind of journey, you know, as a journalist and go cover things and, and see a lot of, you know, a lot of really exciting things. Um, I, and I know I, I put down Emory athletics. Do, do you have any memories or of, of covering Van Luer or any in the Corn Belt conference in the, I guess in his era since 1980? None whatsoever. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where that was really a great time, and that's kind of uh, where I got an awful lot of confidence in what I was doing. I had worked at a couple of radio stations prior to moving to Mitchell, to KORN, but I was there for about a year, and then Tom Maxwell joined the staff to do to do sports, and obviously Max did Mitchell High, and at the time they were also doing Dakota Wesleyan. Um, Whereas I would go out and do the area games, which was, you know, great fun. So, so I'm meeting Jeff and I'm, I'm meeting Tim McAfee and I'm, you know, meeting all of these area coaches, Frank Cutler, it's, it you know, Tom Schlemgen, et cetera. Uh, and so I was very, very fortunate from that standpoint that that was kind of a, you know, Billy Marquardt was winning titles at the time. We're talking mm-hmm. mid eighties that I was in Mitchell from, like yeah. 85 to 88. So consequently, you know, the Corn Belt was pretty doggone good, still is, frankly. Yeah. Um, and the the quality of ball around that area was great. And, you know, as a matter of fact, it was so fun doing Wesleyan. See, I enjoyed doing, I, I did uh, play-by-play for Dakota State uh, okay. also just prior to getting to, to Mitchell. And it was so fun because the old SDIC, so many of those schools had so many kids from their area. You know, you take a look at that Wesleyan roster through the years, and half of them were within 50, 75 miles. Yeah. Um, Same with Dakota State, same with Southern, same, you know, with all of those schools. Yeah. And so that was a good way to also learn the, uh, the actual history. I do remember 
and this isn't Van Lure or Cat, I do remember Dakota Wesleyan really struggled in basketball while I was there, and that was the Jim Martin years. Okay. And there there was a, I think it was Valentine's Day, um, but uh, Mitchell was playing Sioux Falls Lincoln, and of course that was Scotty Morgan's senior year, yeah. and Scott Beckstrand from Lincoln. And by the way, you guys will be surprised at this, but there was a great debate that year who the best high school player in the state was. Was it Scott Beckstrand, who had a nice career at Augie? Yeah. Was it Scotty Morgan, who, you know, I think he's still scoring for Dakota Wesleyan. Right, right. Uh, or yeah. was it some guy by the name of Eric Piakowski? Piakowski, yeah. Yeah. Pike, who went on to a, what, 12-year NBA career yeah, or so? He still might be the most games played as a Clipper. I, 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 I guess I'd have to look it up, but I, I he was a longtime I Clipper. I think. Um, you know, that I that I didn't realize that about Beckstrand and Morgan. I, I know, I remember my dad talked, because I, I went and saw Morgan play at DW. He had, 50, he had like 50 points on a random night against, he was a two-time <laughs> NAIA player of the year exactly so to come back and do that and, and in fact he went to the the it was like talk about him getting drafted he was at the the draft combine he had an agent Marty Blake I remember was his agent so you know that's a that's a good call so when you were covering DWU so that was before Doug Martin yes okay yes it was before Doug yep so they would have had I think Wes Morgan play who were some of the guys on maybe that those years of DWU that stand out that if you can remember hate to put there you was the kid well I'll tell you the story I'll, I'll go back and finish the story so that afternoon I'm doing Dakota Wesleyan and Mount Marty and these two teams in Mount Marty used to be really good in hoops too when Kevin Lean was playing down there and a bunch of other guys okay. uh, that they had but both teams were having a rough year I believe that they were something along the lines of the combined seven and 38. And the refs don't show up. And so it ends up Schlimgen, and I think it was Ron Baker that come walking in the front. And Gordy Fosnes, of course, was the AD at the time. And Gordy goes, hey, guys, I'm, I don't have any refs. Can you guys ref? And they go... <laughs> Well, <laughs> we, we'd be happy to, but we split a 12-pack on the way to the game. <laughs> well, well, frankly, the way that game went, it wouldn't have mattered. They ended up getting a couple of substitute refs, and by the time, well, and then, so the game is delayed, and I'm just sitting at half court, and I know blood relatives don't even care about this game okay, okay. i know i have zero listeners sure. <laughs> I, but i don't care and um they come out after doing warm-ups they take off their, their warm-ups and they're both wearing white okay. <laughs> so at this point i'm just throwing my hands in the air and i'm at yeah. mid-court yelling shirts and skins you know <laughs> what do we care <laughs> Um, because I pretty much knew both, you know, both the rosters anyway, so I, yeah. it would have worked, but, but the refs that ended up working that, and I do know who they are and I won't say who they are. They both had high school games that night. And okay. from about the 10 minute point on in that second half, 
there was going to be surgery needed before they were blowing the whistle on anything. <laughs> okay. They had places to be. Well, I could rattle off some refs. Uh, Colin Capitan, Bob Mal- was Malloy was around. I think yeah, out they, of Warmer. They, they were all, yep, okay. but they, they were not involved. Okay, that's yeah. good. That's a great nugget, man. The no refs he needed, Gordy Foss needed. And they're yep. telling you, I can't, we we no. shared a 12-pack. That's what else are we going to do with in, in the winter. Yeah, time? and but you were asking about players. The, the reason Slim was there, that the kid that was a really good high jumper from Scotland. Martin. Uh, who? Was it Martin? That, yes. That... Yes. Yep. Was it Martin? Was can't it? Remember? I can't. Travis Martin. Travis Martin. That's what it was. Travis yep. Martin. Yep. Yeah. He that was, was a he... a thing that I I was speaking with. I can't remember who. My friend Patrick Duffy covered. Actually, we did one of these with Patrick Duffy a few years back, and we were talking about from there was a sweet spot from like eighty one to ninety two where like 10 guys high jumped over seven feet and nobody's done it since. It was insane. Pretty remarkable. Yeah, it really was. And finally, a kid from Parker went over seven, but he didn't do it in high school. He did it at the University of South Dakota. Okay. So finally we did get another seven foot jumper, but but yeah, it it was crazy there. You look at those record books. Yeah. I so, remember my dad would cover the EST track meet, you know, and bring me along and say, hey, you got to come see Jason Sutherland high jump from Watertown. And I, I remember seeing him several times. I mean, the bar was a good foot over his head and he would clear it <laughs> like he probably didn't even stretch much and just went and uh, went and clear it, cleared it. So, um, well, this is good stuff. I, I guess I, I know I emailed you about going through games and we certainly don't need to go through decade by decade but as you first started i mean with the exception this the game you mentioned probably won't make make your list here but <laughs> who like what were some of the best games that you remember seeing or whether covering or, or seeing in, in person kind of maybe early on um in your career you know i was very very fortunate my first professional job in South Dakota was in Gregory. Gregory put a brand new 100,000 watt FM radio station on. And we decided that uh, during football season, we weren't just gonna do Gregory games because there was such a huge coverage area. And so what we did was we actually went around to the area towns and we found people in each town to like give updates. Basically, this is like a 1982 version of NFL Red Zone. We had no idea that that's what we were doing, but that's essentially it because I'd be doing a game of the week and then these guys, you know, my buddy Steve Frank from Bone Steel, he would call in and We'd cut out of me and we'd get a live report from yeah. Bone Steel Fairfax playing, you know, whoever. Yeah. And uh, and went from there because we didn't want to just limit our audience, especially being new. Um, and so a lot of those games, I will tell you, and this one was actually in South Dakota Magazine because I told this story in front of uh, Bernie Hun- Hunhoff. Um, and if you're familiar with it, Joe, I apologize. But no, no, go ahead. I'm not. Okay. I'm doing a game 
in uh, Geddes. And Geddes has never had a game broadcast there before. And Geddes is good. And I get there, and Rich Rockefeller was the superintendent. And me being a rookie, again, this is my first year on Mill, just green as grass. I had not called Brock. He and I are great friends now, but I had not called him ahead of time to get permission. So at the gate, you know, I introduced myself, who I am, et cetera. Rock came, came up, read me the riot act, but then, you know, took very, very good care of me. They didn't have a press box. So I'm on top of what is basically an old concession stand that they don't use anymore for the baseball field. Okay. I can't see anything from the 20 yard line in on the one side. <laughs> and I'm standing up there. And of course, back then, Walkmans were new. You know, yeah. you could actually listen to the radio on your personal headphones. And because of the fact that these people from Geddes had never had their game broadcast before, they wanted to listen. So I'm up there broadcasting. Oh, by the way, did I mention they also didn't have a scoreboard? So <laughs> I have to keep track of the score, and I have exactly zero idea how much time is left in any given quarter. That's incredible. <laughs> so I'm standing, yeah, I'm standing up there. And it's like, you know, the good news is the three guys that carried the ball for, for Gattis were Sardis. It was okay. Mike and John, and uh, the third one escapes me. Um, anyway, so I'd say that, you know, he got tackled at the eight because all these people are standing. I can't see. And the people in Geddes would literally turn around and yell at me, he's at the four. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's eight to, to eight to nothing still. <laughs> exactly. Now, the score I was able to keep, but they're drilling, Burke. I mean, okay. they're just drilling, Burke. And this game is taking forever. And all of the folks... All I can think of at the time is here's these other folks in the area that are, you know, because uh, I'm getting final reports on the winner game. I know that that game's done. So I know the winner broadcasters are done. I, I know that a bunch of people were the only game in town. Some gentlemen that I assume had been at the Blue Room in downtown Gettys <laughs> eventually figured out where I was broadcasting from and decided to join in. So three of them climbed the ladder up. One guy, and basically I'm just on a princess phone, the old, you know, handheld phone. Okay. I, I don't even have an area to set up a microphone. There's no table or anything. And one guy, you know, leans in, puts his arm around and yells into the phone, drinking whiskey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> the blue room. So that's the Sandys of Geddes then. It's yeah, like it. bingo, bingo. And, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then of course, because they had been at the blue room, they decided that they needed to relieve themselves. So they're doing that sure. off the back of oh, my of broadcast yeah. position as, <laughs> as one would, of course. Sure. And, uh, but anyway, as far as great games, that was another one that, that wasn't sounds a great, a great game, one. but it's a good story. I, you know, it's 
to me, I never think in terms of, of great games, but I think about uh, great overall tournaments. And I was so lucky to hook up with South Dakota Public Broadcasting uh, in 2000 to do the you know state tournaments. Um, obviously, getting the chance to see Louie play. Uh, Louie Krogman. Yeah, Louie yeah. Krogman. I was actually fortunate enough the first time I've been there a couple of times since, but the first time I ever went to the Lakota nation invite complete fluke. Uh, Cause I had set the date, like, you know, a couple of months ahead of that. It was the night that Louis set the record out at the Lakota nation tournament. I'm sitting there at a table with, with Stu Whitney and John Thune and, watching history so that that was was very very cool so the record he was at the points per game like most of the, in a game no career point career yeah which i career think points does he still they, have does he oh still, yeah he still has it so that's like what was the he total had, number i guess i'd have to google it but it's it's 30, a lot 30 35 72 is yeah so you got to be like an eighth grader scoring about 25 a game i think to get to that point seventh grader seventh grader yeah. yeah, he's he started as a seventh grader. Um, as a matter of fact, the last couple of years, we have seen three different people move into the top five all okay. time. Uh, uh, one was uh, uh, Morse, right? Ryan yeah. Morse or not Ryan Matt Morse? Ryan's son. It's Ryan's Matt son. Morse. Okay. Believe me, I called I called him Ryan more times than I was <laughs> yeah. proud of. Believe yeah. me. But, yeah, Ryan, Ryan played was, with JL Wine. That was a great Huron team he played that with. That was a great Huron team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Matthew Moores, Connor Libis at uh, Del Rapids St. Mary's. Okay. And by the way, Del Rapids St. Mary is the only team in South Dakota's state history that has three 2,000 point scores. Wow. Which is, yeah, there's a lot of schools that don't have any. And wow. they've actually. They've got three, um, but those two the same year, and then uh, Joe Siler this year from White River. Siler, and, okay. And I think those guys are all anywhere from five to seven hundred points behind Louis. Okay, yeah, that's a long ways. That's, that's a, a long like way. A, that seems that, like that ain't, it, that ain't going away. No. It was very nice though. They gave him the star quilt that night. They also had a really nice tribute from the late Don Jacobson okay. from Lake Norton, who had been the previous record holder. He was very gracious about it. So so it, it was a cool night. But my all-time favorite tournament, and I think it was 2007, it was the first year that the girls' A was out in Spearfish. And it was a great tournament loaded with all sorts of talent. McCook Central was in there. Um, Bennett County was in with Krolikowski. Uh, there we go. Okay. Um, Red Cloud, I think, was in it. It was just a, a stacked lineup. Vermilion ended up winning it. Uh, Millbank was in it with the Walsager girl. Um, Mil uh, Vermilion ended up winning it. But I firmly believe that you could have started again on Monday and had a completely different one through eight. Is that I right? Think, okay. I think there was only one game the entire weekend out of 12 that was a double-digit uh, difference. Okay. So, 
you know, so that's that's good quality basketball. Yeah, and, it is. And, and competitive basketball. It's interesting to hear your, you know, your perspective on that, because I guess I just think in game. But if you're going out to cover it, you're probably getting up there on a on a Wednesday or Thursday morning. You got a whole weekend of a lot of doing your job, you know, so you'd rather have good games every day. So that's a really cool, you know, that's... I haven't I haven't thought of it that way. That's all we ever rooted for. And frankly, when I started, you know, that was that was one nice thing that I'm that I'm kind of proud of that I was part of. And it wasn't my decision or anything else. But, you know, it used to be, well, you go way back and it was just the the two semifinal games on Friday night. That's all that was on television originally. Okay. Then, of course, that expanded to what you're familiar with, where the four games on Thursday, then two and two. But with South Dakota Public Broadcasting, putting all 12 games from each tournament on the air was was really a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, sure. it allowed uh, kids to be seen more than just once and, you know, into the, the Sunshine League, as the late Norm Hilson used to call yeah. it. And, yeah. Um, and and you could re- it, it really gave us more of an opportunity to tell their those kids' stories. And and to share more of a spotlight on them. We we had a gal a few years ago, State B tournament up in Watertown, State B girls. And again, I I apologize, her name escapes me. This gal literally had some sort of eye problem where she would lose her sight for like two weeks at a time. Oh wow. This high school senior. And yeah, a just remarkable story. And I think she was from Waverly South Shore. Okay. And and she gets in the game. They're playing Ethan or somebody who's who's really good and and she gets in the game and she hits two three pointers in like the final minute and a half. And they don't mean a thing to the outcome of the game, but I know they meant the world to her. Sure. And so so the fact that we could have that information on her ahead of time to really shine that spotlight on that kid, that's that's pretty remarkable. That is cool. Those, so not yeah, only those her, are the her, things that stay with you. Yeah, and her teammates and coaches, her family gets to see that. So no, that is that is remarkable. And I think as you've been sitting here in '94 when Emory made the tournament in Sioux Falls, I think you emceed like the welcome banquet or something. You, I mean, you may not remember it, but I, I remember. I you, did. You did emcee that. I remember saying somebody's got to take home eighth, which I think may have been Pollock. But that was a pretty loaded tournament. Chuck Welke, you know, and, and Warner won. But I, as you were talking and listening to your voice, it, I remember you did. I don't know where that would have been at, like their their old Ramcoda, Ram maybe the Ramcoda. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, um, I was doing mornings at Kello at the time. Okay. Back to what you were talking about, and and uh, giving those school notices. Yeah. You know, it was it was so funny because. I had literally done nothing but sports. And in 88, I was also, I was doing some stand-up comedy. And I was driving back. Yeah, I was actually driving back and forth uh, from Mitchell over to Sioux Falls. And there's two ways to do uh, stand-up. Number one is the first time that you do it. Number one is invite everyone you know who has ever remotely thought you were funny 
and buy them lots of drinks. Sure. <laughs> right. the, the other way is the way I chose to do it. I had run down to Sioux City and I thought, you know, if this doesn't go well, nobody knows me here. I'll never speak of it again, etc. Well, it ended up going pretty well. And, and so I kind of became the house MC in Sioux Falls. Okay. And the way I got the job at Kello, actually, there was one night, it was an amateur comedy night, and I was the MC, and there were a bunch of people that weren't doing, and I know we're getting away from sports, but... No, um, you can go wherever you want. <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> your dad's and my conversations may have been similar to these two. They just kind of, you know, ramble yeah. around. Yeah, sure. Um, anyway, uh, two of the judges that night were Chad and Harley who were doing mornings at, yeah. at uh, Kello. And you always hear about athletes getting in a zone. And there were all these brand new comedians who had, you know, most of them had never been on stage before. And I wanted to make sure that none of them were funnier than me. And, you know, because I'd been doing it a bit and I got in a zone. And, and one of the, uh, one of the lines I remember using was, you know, pointing out Chad and Harley. And I said, by the way, make sure you, you know, if you enjoyed your night here, make sure you tune in to these guys because God knows they'll be stealing this crap for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm driving back to Mitchell that night. And Rich Widman from Mitchell had been in the, the competition also and had done really well. And I turned to him, I remember distinctly saying, I turned to him and said, well, there's another radio station I'll never work at. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, the executive vice president uh, in charge of radio for Midco at the time was there. And that night, he told Harley, hire that guy. So I took the job in Sioux Falls because back then, Midco owned the rights to the University of Wisconsin. They owned the rights to Wichita State, and they owned the rights to the Gophers. Wow. And so I started doing afternoons on Kello Radio, but my whole goal was just simply to get my foot in the door. You know, I'll go be the third string sideline guy for the University of Wisconsin. You know, sure. I, whatever, whatever I need to do at that point. Well, along came mornings, and along came kids, and, you know, all of those things. So it was funny when I actually got back into sports, people said, we didn't know you could do sports. <laughs> well, well, frankly, what I didn't know I could do was mornings. That's what, it, you yeah. know, the, the sports thing was easy, but, um, but yeah, but that was, that was a good time. But yeah, I do remember emceeing that banquet now. Thanks for that, Joe. I, yeah, no, I, that. I, I just, I, cause I hadn't thought of that until, but, um, Cause that was early. Cause I can remember, you know, getting up early, you know, I don't know what before school time, 7am and you guys would be on the radio, you know, every single morning, the, the cash call and there'd be calling on birthdays and uh, you'd have guys call in. So I didn't really, so what were clubs around Sioux Falls that had stand up? Was Opie's, was that a, was Opie's a stand up bar? No, the only place was the airport holiday Inn. Okay. The, which okay. is now the, Ramcota, not the Ramcota, the Ramada. The Ramada, okay. Right right there by the arena. That was, and as a matter of fact, it turned into um, what they called, they, they had a big neon sign up on the wall. Uh, it was officially the Kello Comedy Club, and they spelled 
uh, comedy and club with K's with for K's. alliteration. And really, there's nothing that screams South Dakota more than having uh, three K's in a row lit up on the bar wall. <laughs> oh, <man>. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't mean to laugh, but yeah, bro. I yeah, mean, that's, I, I know. Yeah, I know. yeah. No, yeah. that's. Uh, I remember another. <laughs> did you guys make the Guinness Book of World Records for something? Weren't you and in, in Chad up in the up in a tra trailer, up in a bus, super high? Um, I don't know, like elevated and, and like a hundred feet in the air, and having the case of beer or something like that. Did, am I imagining that? Was that? Didn't you say? No. Guinness Book of Records. I I I think we said we did. Um, <laughs> well, you know, um, it's very funny. Uh, during the pandemic, a friend of mine had an idea. Cindy Bahi, her husband Al still, her ex husband still helps out with uh, South Dakota State stuff and was on Kello TV for a while. But Cindy had an idea. Let's get people's stories. And the name of the book actually is Genuine Journeys of Life. And we've got two volumes of it. And I'll just put in a plug. You can go to genuinejourneysoflife.com in order. Um, and one of the stories that Cindy said I have to get, Chad lived in a van suspended over 22nd in Minnesota for a week. And he broadcast a radio show in the morning. And at that time, he was also helping out with the 10 o'clock weather. And so he did weather from the van also. And he was and suspended so, in the Yep, suspended by a crane. There was a company that had bought the biggest crane in South Dakota. And they wanted to publicize that. And we wanted to publicize the fact that, you know, that was back when radio stations did stunts and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Chad would drop, drop stuff out of the van. We had a money giveaway one day where he literally threw cash out of the van. They had to, had to block off Minnesota Avenue. Uh, the cops actually helped out because, um, but to me, one of the funniest things, and I can't remember. Yes. I think Chad put this in the book. He, he's got great stories about it because, you know, it, there's no internet, there's no, but we set him up with like VCR tapes and stuff. One of the funniest things was, of course, he had a porta potty up there and <laughs> kind of like he used for camping. And so his wife, Suzette, would come over in the morning and Chad would like lower this thing down to the ground. And, and wow. it was, I, I think it was like six stories, I think is, is officially what the height was. And um, I, the, the, one of the funniest was one morning Suzette wasn't there. So Jack Taylor, one of our news guys, was in charge. And he didn't understand how to run the pulley system. And oh. all of a sudden, this thing is just free falling towards its head. That's remarkable. That's it. So he, he, he was married. He had a wife at the time. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. That sounds, that's a great, that's a great lady to and, kind of let him go along with, uh, you know, those, those ideas. Now, I just, I mean, I, I don't think I was at, I mean, I, I was at an impressionable age, but I, I remember that was a really big deal. Your guys it, show. It was. In well, and he, but so the funny thing is, so Suzette, the first morning that she gets this, Delivery from on high, Suzette looks looks at you know because I'm on the ground. 
I'm earthbound. Chad's up there by himself. I'm just helping broadcast. Suzette looks at me and goes, do I put this in the men's room or the women's room? <laughs> <laughs> Probably dump it at the men's. I don't <laughs> yeah. sounds like a hell, hell of a time, man. And, that... but, and I'll give you a quick follow-up. So the following year, on April Fool, we pulled the greatest April Fool joke because we broadcast the fact that Chad was back in the van. When indeed what Chad had done was take the van to his house and park it in the garage and was broadcasting. And we broadcast just as if he had been in the van the year before, but we never gave the location. Oh, that's And great. our phone lines were lit up all morning long. People are dying to know where Chad is. That's but great. if we hadn't done that stunt, there is no way that anyone would have believed that somebody is broadcasting live from a van that's suspended six stories in the air over yeah. one of the busiest streets. Yeah. No, that's 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 really good stuff. I, I re so went from so Har Harley Worth it was his name, right? So Harley saw you saw them and called them and they're like hire I've got to hire yes. that guy, and that's they. That's they hired me. I did afternoons for a while, and I was there for a couple of years. And and Harley left, uh, and they picked me to be mornings. And one of the nicest things was, Chad and I were good buddies by that time. And with Harley, Chad's main job was to play the accordion, read the news, and laugh. That's right. And I knew, and I knew Chad was actually hilarious. So it became a lot more of a team at that point. We would actually, if he had something, I'd just ride along. And if I had something, he'd ride along. And, and it was really, it was a, it was a great time. And Chad and I are still great buds. He just that's celebrated cool. his birthday this week, as a matter that's, of fact. Oh, that's great. No, that's, that's, I mean, those are, I mean, like I said, I, that's memories that I, you know, that's how I grew up, you know, coming downstairs in the morning and it was, you know, you reached the, reached a lot of a lot of homes a lot of houses in you know around the area so i i wondered pick your brain a little bit on on some other i know along with with coach van leer um who are some other giants you know when you think about like coaching in in south dakota who are some names that you know that that you remember that you think kind of resonate through the years well, and, and here's the thing. I, I do want to make sure that I talk enough about Jeff because he he truly is. I, I don't want to say the last of his kind, but there's not going to be a whole lot more. Um, not only the difference that he made, you know, for kids, not only the success, you know, transitioning to 11-man football and not missing a beat. That is very, very underrated because for people who understand the difference between 11-man and 9-man, or for those of you that don't, yeah, it's a lot different than just having two extra bodies out there. Yeah. It's an entirely different scheme. And the fact that he's still so enthusiastic about it. You know, we'd, we'd have him when I was doing the show with Mark Ovenden, we'd have him on once or twice a year. And I, I kept asking him, you know, how much longer? And he talks about the fact that it keeps him young and he enjoys it still and he's still got the fire. So he's, you know, still doing it, which which is so admirable. And and again, he's one of those guys, and, and you guys could tell me this better than anybody, 
But I have a feeling that he's one of those kids that if he called and said, listen, I need you to run through this brick wall, the yeah. only question would be where and when. You know, you, you'd be there because, yeah. because that's who he's been for so many of his kids through the years. No. And but I've I've been so fortunate, um, you know, getting to know Larry Luchens is just, you know, delightful. Um, getting to know Gary Munson and actually have Munson like me was yeah. uh, <laughs> just, that was a rather short list uh, for for Munson media folks. Um, but once you got to know Munson, he was a he was a pussycat. Um, <laughs> they, it, just. Craig Maddock and I, when we were doing our afternoon show at KWSN, we would go up to the state coaches convention and broadcast for a couple of days. And that was one of the smartest things we did. Number one, it was great fun. But number two, it's entirely different if I meet you in a, you know, at the field or in a, you know, situation that is a little bit more formal. If, if you go up and you're broadcasting live at the convention, well, when the show is over, everybody's headed to the zoo. Everybody's headed, you know, downtown. And you can sit and have a couple of beers and really get to know these folks. And and then that made it much easier. If a team had made it to the state tournament, you could call these guys and say, hey, you know, Bill Lieberman at Parker, um, you know, would you join us on the air? And oh, by the way, do you have some, you know, background information that we can use to highlight these kids? And and the fact that I got to be part of that fraternity, uh, there are so many coaches. We lost my uh, great friend, the late Marv McCune, passed away. I just see yeah. you were talking about uh, Welke. I just see that it was two years ago today. It popped up on a, a memory two years ago today, Chuck Welke senior passed away okay there there were just so many of those folks that and and we're just not gonna see that again we're not gonna see the guys that do it for 35 40 years anymore yeah. you, you just don't no and that's one of the i mean i moved 20 years ago I, I moved out of south dakota when i graduated but i i just feel as connected as i've ever been almost even more connected to all the maybe my memory is you know i'm I have a memory like my dad that I can remember all these things and these games and um, it means a lot. I don't know. There's just something in me that, it, you know, when you're talking about Van Leeuwen, I mean, it, I, I, I believed in myself because of what, I mean, it sounds silly playing just football in, in high school, but there's things that I knew he believed in me and it, it made me believe in myself. And that's an incredibly powerful thing, you know, for a young person to, and I'm not the only one that feels that way. You know, I know a lot of others that do. So, you know, and he would never be one to let us shower him, you know, give him praise like that. But I hopefully doing this project, you know, he can have an understanding of how much, you know, he's meant to, you know, to me uh, in my life and um, in many others as well. But it's, uh, but yeah, to be somewhere for 40 years, I mean, no matter what you're doing, you know, in, in any kind of work, that is a tough thing, but to be, around kids and be around, you know, you have the parents who want to talk about, I mean, I've got a one-year-old and maybe as he gets older, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to act towards a coach. If he wants to play stuff, that's a lot to have to balance and, 
and handle, you know, and for him to do that, you know, Haskamp, I think in, in Alexander and oh. Jim Haskamp's been there a long time. Yep. So it's, it's pretty remarkable, you know, Matt's in New Jersey and, you know, and I've lived in cities and lived in different places, but it's a pretty special thing in, in South Dakota that we, that we have. And, um, you know, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Part of that is you always hear about the uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. In South <laughs> Dakota, it's basically two, all right? And, you know, it, there's only 800,000 of us here. Yeah, That's one of the things, frankly, um, my, for lack of a better phrase, uh, my, my shtick during state tournaments of, you know, going back and listing if, you know, this guy's uncle played for a state tournament or, you know, the had cousins playing or whatever the case may be. It's because so many of us played against each other or we saw that kid play in college or we, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I, uh, and again, I have another story. If you don't mind, <laughs> I, I gave up football uh, doing football because every year the field got about five yards longer on each end. Okay. And, and some of these uh, new designs of uniforms, I, I found myself watching the monitor as much as the actual field. You know, when I was helping out with state tournaments. Okay. And so I, I gave up football, and I think it was 2017 was my last year. And I was living in Dells at the time, Dell Rapids, and I'm at the grocery store on the Wednesday night before the uh, finals. And there's a guy that I'm checking out some groceries, and there's a guy that's like two aisles down, also checking out groceries. And he goes, oh, stocking up for the dome? And I said, no, I no. gave it up. I said, no, for those reasons. And he looks at me and he yells at me, literally yells in the grocery store. Well, how the hell am I going to know who the center's uncle is? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was dead. He was dead serious. Good question. That, <laughs> Yeah, so that that may go on my my tombstone, but honestly, I couldn't have pulled that if I was in Nebraska or Iowa or Minnesota or any other state. This state is so unique because it is so small and because we're so well connected. We remember, you know, Scott Basanko is is going into the South Dakota Sports Hall of Fame this year. There's an awful lot of guys that speak in reverent tones about Scott Basanko's game. Uh, you know, hero at Aberdeen and at Northern and drafted by the Mavericks. And um, just, you know, so we know and we remember and hopefully there's enough of us that keep some of this history alive and, and uh, keep pumping it out there. Yeah, no, that's a great call. And I, I just wrote down, you know, Emory won the state basketball championship with Bridgewater in 2017. But really what a lot of that was, was the gene pool reloaded. You had Steve Aaron's kid, you had Jeff Aaron's kid, you had a die, Scott Schultz's kid Sawyer. It was just all these great players <laughs> had kids and luckily stuck around. And, you know, that's, that's kind of what, uh, what's pretty cool about that as well. One of the first years when I was, I think it would have been about 85, um, Ethan went to the state tournament. Okay. And Todd, I can't remember if Todd Cavanaugh was coaching there at the time or not, but I I, I think that was, he came later. Uh, but TCAV is another kid, DeSmet kid that played at Dakota State. I got to know him as a player and still a, a 
great friend. But Ethan goes to the state tournament. Well, uh, the guy that led them was a, a kid by the name of Pitts. Well, the last three years, Sioux Valley has been in the state A tournament, and Pitts's kid is has been one of the stars, and he's now playing baseball up at North Dakota State University. So yeah, so those those ties, if you look for them, you will find them. One of the most remarkable ones to me ever was Don Seiler, the all-time now winningest female basketball coach in, uh, for girls basketball in South Dakota and the winningest female coach. Don Seiler, in about 83 or so, is coaching McLaughlin in the state championship game. It's at the world's only Corn Palace, and the uh, that's when Armour was on that unbelievable girls run where I think they won three or four in a row, maybe even more than that. But Dana Nielsen and Jody Pipes are the two best players on that team. They were the All-Staters, you know, et cetera. So that's the early 80s. Flash forward to a couple of years ago, Don Seiler, now coaching at Aberdeen Central, is playing in the state tournament, is coaching in the state tournament. They are playing against Harrisburg. And on Harrisburg's team are both Dana Nielsen's daughter and Jody mm. Pipes' daughter. Wow. And and you just go, you know, because Harrisburg isn't a small town anymore, you know. And and the, the fact that they both happen to end up here is pretty remarkable and the fact that they're similar ages etc and they're they're playing against don seiler who had coached against their moms that's just one of those stories that that i really like yeah to hear and to share yeah that you can stick around and you know it just kind of reloads and you almost you end up competing against your own dna and your own kind of <laughs> what you teach and, and coach and that sort of thing so well, listen, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. I mean, we appreciate the time, but can you just go through maybe a few guys that, like, or, or like who are some of the best players that in your mind that are memorable, like your favorite guy, or, you know, female players, hoopers or football players, anything that you remember covering and seeing? Boy, that's a long list, but um, I will say that, there is a kid, and and Joe, you were close to making this list. Of the or maybe best... Chris was. Uh, Chris, sorry, Chris was. Sorry, no, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, this list, the best high school basketball player that I ever saw, who didn't play college basketball, was a guy by the name of Troy Schaefer from Pierre. Troy Schaefer, and, okay. Yep, and it would he played with Carl Adams. This again would have been mid to late eighties thereabouts. Um, and Troy actually went to Augie and played uh, football. And then a few years later, uh, his son uh, he ended up out in Rapid City, and then his son ended up uh, uh, playing for Augustana basketball. So. Troy Schaefer was one of those kids. I had the the good fortune. There was, a, you know, I got to see an awful lot of Native kids play that a lot of other folks didn't from my time in Gregory. Um, 
there were some remarkable players there. Jesse Hart uh, Hart. is still, yeah. Yeah, I I remember him. His high school career was just unbelievable how good that kid was. Um, There are, yeah, and I'm going to kick myself for, for, you know, not. But the thing is, you know what I kind of enjoyed? Even like when I was over in Mitchell, I kind of enjoyed the fact that I'd be doing that district tournament at the Palace. And somebody from, we'll pick Plankington, okay? Plank wouldn't necessarily be real good, but they'd have a kid or two that could play. And you just focused in on watching those guys. You didn't worry about the fact that, oh, by the way, they're going to get beat by 25 again. Yeah. You know, or or they're going to be out of this district. You know, we're just going to enjoy watching these guys who can do it. Sure, sure. And and yeah, Louie was remarkable. I will tell you this, and this is this is controversial uh, with some people because I've never been big on who's the best because I got to see Pike. I got to see Mike Miller. I've gotten to see Colton Iverson. I've gotten to see, you know, Jared Reiner. I've, I've gotten to see these guys. The single player with the best combination of skill sets, and I'm talking basketball, the best combination of skill sets that I ever saw is Matthew Morris. Matthew Morris. No, I'm not saying yeah. he's good. I'm not saying he's going to go into the NBA. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a, a even a, a all conference in college at at SDSU. But as far as a combination of skills, the ability to shoot the ball, the ability to run the floor, the ability to pass. There's a reason they called Mike Miller skinny. He wasn't going to go inside and mix it up with you. Matthew Morris would go inside and mix it up. Bigger, yeah. yeah. Oh, much. Um, So from that standpoint, uh, there was a kid, Derek McCauley, up at uh, Wabe and then Aberdeen Central. He was was just absolutely electric on the on the court in and, and so much fun to to see so and as as far as football goes you know it's the usual suspects but the best team i ever saw was that team from DeSmet in about 2003 with the with the hoyer kid and because because they went down to the, and i knew they were good they went out and waxed harding county at harding county which is just about impossible to do yeah by the way, if you've never been to Harding County, there's actually a statue of a horse about 30 yards from the football field. I think I've seen it. I have okay. seen that. Yeah, All right. I have. On but the way to were, Aberdeen, and, I think we would drive by. Or is it on the way to Rapid or Aberdeen? I, I know it's I've way seen up, it. It's, it's north of Rapid. Okay. Yep. Northwest it, northwest corner of the state. There's a lot of sky out there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, with, with the Hoyer kid... They went down, they beat Avon. Oh, and by the way, Tom Culver's a pretty good football coach. Sure. You know, and and again, a, a good friend that I've been lucky to get to know. They just hammered Avon. I mean, that, that game was over ten minutes in. Right. And and okay. so that that was the best that was the best nine man team I've ever seen. I love hearing about nine man nine man team. And it's it is remarkable because we never thought about I guess I graduated in ninety seven 
Emory Ethan won their first title in 2001 and then a pile since, but we never thought about that that was actually a thing you do is win a state title. And that's kind of how a lot of kids in the last 20 years, you know, that played in for Van Lure, it's just, and not only, I mean, other kind of powerhouses around the state, they just, that's their goal to win the state championship. And, you know, that's, I can't even wrap my head around that. I did discover this year that I've been become a bit, especially on the basketball side of things. And uh, sorry to keep pushing it back to basketball, but when my brain gets rolling in a certain direction, um, my grandsons are now, uh, I actually have a grandson playing varsity basketball. Oh, that's great. I, awesome. It is. It, it, it's very cool. And I didn't realize so because, you know, when I'm prepping for, for football, for instance, I'm watching the teams that I think may be in the dome because I'm going to be covering them. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I'm watching the best teams, the teams that are highly rated, et cetera. Same thing with basketball. I'm paying attention to the teams that may be uh, in the dome. My grandson's varsity basketball team this year went one and seventeen. Okay. And and I did not realize what a basketball snob I had become. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and uh, but obviously you just love the you love the effort you love the you know. Yeah, the fact that they're the hard work. Sure, you love it when they make that next sense. You know, both of my grandsons this year got to play, uh, not on varsity but on under varsity in junior high. Got to play in the dog pound up in. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah, cool. one of the you know, I a few years ago, my wife and I uh, helped a buddy with a research project. We did WPA built uh, athletic facilities around the state of South Dakota. Uh, so these were built, you know, 1939 through 41 or so. And, you know, the dog pound is one of those places. And we're losing so many of those that when yeah. when you get the opportunity to to see, you know, I, and to try to point out to them just how appreciative they should be of that opportunity yeah. uh, and, and kind of pass that history along. I haven't been in Emory's gym, and now I think they have a, an amazing new complex. But the 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 old original gym. I mean, I could still tell you that I I could still have the sense of you know what that whole building smells like. You know, in a good <laughs> way, a great scent. You know, the they have a fallout shelter in the basement and that sort of thing. But well, one in seventeen. Listen, that's okay. That's a as you get older, you realize, you know, things aren't always going to go your way. You know, you got to move forward and, and stay, stick with things. So that's not always the worst thing. It's not as and, worse as he probably thinks it is. Right. And, and he's just a freshman and uh, the best talent is actually uh, the younger groups. And my uh, other grandson is uh, in junior high and they were, were very successful. But yeah, that was one of the funniest things about playing up into Smith. My uh, seventh grade grandson, who, by the way, every picture of him with his classmates looks like he landed in Oz. He's a full <laughs> head taller than all of the other kids. That's cool. Um, but he goes, Grandpa, why do they have a pad on the sidewall? And I said, <laughs> eh, you'll find out. <laughs> well that's good stuff well mike appreciate the time your your south your royalty you know you met a lot you still mean a lot to so many people and it's it's so great to join 
to have you join and, and get to crack into, you know, your incredible knowledge. So much respect, much love. Take care. All right. Guys, Thanks. I greatly appreciate this. Thank you so much. Jeff Van Laura, keep coaching as long as you damn well want to. And <laughs> well, right. now, now that I'm out of the media, I won't ask you anymore. So you awesome. just keep doing it. <laughs> Guys, this was great. I so appreciate the time and the kind words. Thanks. Yeah, we do too, Mike. Yeah. God Thank bless, you. man. Take care. See you, buddy. So are you talking?